The show you love with even more local, local news. news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a wonderful Monday afternoon to you here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas, your concierge for conversation with you as we begin yet another week in June. Can you believe we're in June? Good night. I I think I'm still stuck back in November sometime. Unbelievable that we'll sti- we're still here. But here we are, and we will uh, pursue the topics that interest you and me and have the opportunity to talk about them reasonably, rationally, and uh, with great gusto, but also respectfully as well. So thank you for being part of that process. Here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. By the way, as we get the show started, just slipped in here behind the microphone. Have you noticed, maybe it's just me, that technology machines know when you're in a hurry? Have you? Printer, my printer. My printer knows when I'm in a hurry. It normally prints out fairly with with fairly good speed it knows when i'm in a hurry it knows when i'm on a deadline and that thing i think intentionally you talk about ai artificial intelligence i i think there's a there's a hidden chip in that printer that knows when i'm in a hurry and that ai inside that chip says we sense he's stressed slow down and let's have some fun watching him as we slow down here. The, another, well, another, I'll get on to the important stuff here in a minute. I'm just venting a little bit as we start here. Another thing is I have a, um, I have a Mac. My main machine here for the show is on a Mac. And I'm a, I can speak both. I can do PC and I can do Mac as well. And, but I have an emulator. Yeah, I'm sure some of you are familiar with that on my on my Mac, so that because there are one or two programs I need to use for advancing vibrant communities that require Windows, and uh, so I was uh, under the gun the other day to produce 24 reports that needed to get in right away, and it is at that point that the Windows emulator decided to update itself. Have you ever been through that? Do you know how long? I'm sure you know how long it takes to update itself. Anyway, so what? Uh, what I almost was late because, as you know, this show does not start until the coffee is ready. That coffee maker knew what I was in a hurry. That is the slowest mug of coffee I have ever seen brewed in that machine. But anyway, it finally got it done, and here we are. That's the main thing. All right, having dealt with AI and the chips in there that I think are programmed to know when you're stressed, or at least when I'm stressed, let's move on to uh, some more important things. Uh, As you know, the January uh, 6th hearings in in the House are continuing with the investigation committee, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I, I did last week because it was the first hearing. I, and, and here's why, and, and it's the principle that I've revisited many, many times, the fruit of the poisoned tree, the fruit of the poisoned tree. 
So ultimately, as I look at this, and the reason I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, is I believe they're accomplishing what they want to accomplish, uh, which may be, and I'm, I'm guessing, and I think I may be in the arena of reality here, I'm guessing that the powers that be uh, probably want to make sure that Donald Trump does not run in 2024. Uh, I think there's an outside possibility. They may want to try to actually uh, have criminal charges filed against him. Uh, that's, a, that's a possibility. And I think there's another possibility, and that is with gas prices going up, with inflation uh, 8.5% or higher, 8.6%, uh, with the uh, baby food shortage, uh, with the Ukraine issue going on, uh, with uh, the, the inability to really be in touch with where people are really hurting, this is a good way to distract their attention. And so I think they're accomplishing that. Uh, in terms of the fruit of the poison tree, first of all, this is not a hearing. It is not a hearing because those who are being investigated by this committee are not allowed to speak. There, There is... <laughs> There's no defense, so to speak. Uh, There's no opportunity for those who are being accused to respond, no rebuttal. And so it, therefore, if it's trying to be a court, which it shouldn't be because this is the legislature, it is not the judicial branch of government. This is the legislative branch. There are three branches, right? Executive, judicial, and legislative. And uh, the leg- the House of Representatives is not the judicial branch, nor is the judicial branch the legislative branch. And I think there's been um, some confusion on, on each over that over the years. But anyway, uh, so there's a very one-sided presence on that particular committee. And so, therefore, to me, to me, other than being a pretty good showpiece, I mean, they're putting on a good show, other than being a pretty good showpiece, I, I don't see the value of it. I really don't. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Uh, what I would like to uh, bring to your attention is, and I'm, I'm not a huge Chris Wallace fan. I think he's had uh, times where he's been very good and other times when I wish he'd be more balanced, but Chris, and of course, his DNA, DNA from his father, Mike Wallace, of course, he, um, I'm sure that helped him uh, in his career. But anyway, he was on, before the hearings last week got underway, <clears throat> he was on CNN. Remember, he was on Fox, now on CNN. And he, uh, he, he gave some opinions about the hearing before the first hearing was held. And I think I resonate with most of his comments. Here's what he said. First of all, I think the committee has fallen prey to terrible hype, terrible overselling. You've got Jamie Raskin, one of the members of the committee, saying uh, this is going to blow the roof off the House. You've got Adam Kinzinger saying it's going to change history. Uh, Secondly, they have gotten the former president of ABC News, Jim Goldston, uh, to produce this made-for-TV event. I, I think that's a bad look both for the committee and for the mainstream media to seem that they're hand-in-glove with each other. I mean, the fact is, we live in a country. It's a year and a half ago that this happened. I think most people feel they know what happened. They either believe it or they don't believe it. And we live in a country in which 70% of Republicans 
according to the polls, do not believe that Joe Biden was elected legitimately. Do I think that something is going to happen tonight that's going to change that dramatically? I'm skeptical. No. Well, and that's a that's a good observation. I I I really agree with his uh, assessment of the committee. Do you think it's actually going to move the needle for anyone? I, I think the people who absolutely loathe uh, Donald Trump will continue to loathe him. Uh, those that love Donald Trump, I think, will probably continue to love him. Uh, those who are on the fence, I'm not sure this committee is going to move the needle much if if they're uh, if if they're actually thinking about the composition of the committee, what the job of the House of Representatives is and such. So after the first hearing was concluded, uh, Wallace had some follow-up comments. Uh, basically, he said that he uh, nothing that he saw, uh, none of the earth-shattering evidence that the committee promised convinced him the hearings will shift Americans' opinions. Uh, he said it was a very powerful, very well-produced, if you will, two-hour presentation I still have questions, Chris Wallace said. And then he uh, said, if you were horrified by the events of January 6th and what we've learned since, you were certainly horrified by what you saw. If you haven't been convinced of that in the last year and a half, I'm not sure if this or anything will change your minds. So I I tend to agree with Chris Wallace. What do you think? I, I, I agree with him on that. And again, I think the committee is doing well what it set out to do. Uh, it is not a hearing, and so I look at it as a one-sided show, and as a one-sided show, I, I think it's accomplishing its, uh, its objectives. Well, my friends, talking about <clears throat> accomplishing objectives, what if your objective is to sell your house? Well, home prices around here keep going up, inventories low, interest rate hikes, mean those prices are going to fluctuate. So selling your home now with an aggressive, experienced agent is the right move to maximize your equity. Do you have a growing family? Are you working from home and you need more space? Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. That's right. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. There's no costly repairs required, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. You can talk to Melody about it. Melody in Oakdale, <clears throat> she needed to sell quickly. But her home needed a bunch of repairs and upgrades to get a decent price. But she didn't have the time nor the money. So Melody called Dan Phipps. Dan said, no problem, we can do it. And he did. Dan got multiple offers and sold it for much higher than uh, she could have imagined. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend. I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue. Phone number 209-551-3483. We'll be back in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
with the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show again here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Starting the week again on this 13th day of June. Uh, summer, the official start of summer, not too far away. While were you out last night? Beautiful full moon last night. I don't know where you were, but out where uh, we are, the the breeze was was nice and cool, and uh, just a, a beautiful beautiful evening. And uh, yesterday, not as hot as it, as it has been. However, uh, we we are in for some uh, searing temperatures. I'm afraid this summer. All right, uh, getting back to the topics of the day. So, have you? Uh, been watching any of the hearings at all following them uh, again my my sense is I, I think they're the hearings uh, on January 6 are are aimed to do a couple of things and I think they're successfully doing that I don't think it's a hearing I, I don't think it uh, meets the definition of a hearing I think it meets the definition of a, a well-produced show and uh, there's drama, and there are tears, and there are heart tugs, and so in that in that sense, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, as far as a legitimate hearing, <clears throat> again, I give them an F. As far as producing a good docudrama, I'd probably give them an A. Yeah, B plus? No, 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 no. I'd give them an A. I really would. Uh, but I'd give them I'd give them an F as far as a hearing go. It just doesn't. Again. To me, it's the fruits of the poison tree. So whatever they come up with, it will be the product of a show, which, which means really, really nothing with everything else that is going on. So what else, by the way, if you'd like to weigh in on your opinion, do you think the hearing is valid? And uh, do you think they're doing a good job with it? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. I suspect one of the reasons for this uh, show, which is, again, being done very well as a show, is to uh, take focus away from some of the other things that are pressing in on us, like gas prices. Well, you want the good news or the bad news? <clears throat> Well, the good news is gas prices aren't going up. I, I guess that's good news. The bad news is they're not going down either. <laughs> they're staying about where they are. <clears throat> I'm looking here at the um, AAA national average. It is uh, 501 a gallon. 501 a gallon. That's the highest ever. So even though we've plateaued a bit, 501 is the highest national uh, average for regular ever. Who has the lowest? Still Georgia. Georgia uh, apparently still has uh, the distinction of having the lowest uh, average gas price in the nation at 448 a gallon. And, of course, there's California. Yep, California, we're averaging 643 a gallon. How do you feel, by the way, when, when you pull up to the gas pump and, and then you look at the price on the pump as it can, you know, the, the, price, the price part of it, the digital readout there just seems to go really fast and the 
the gallon readout seems to respond a lot more slowly these days. So what's going on in our area? Well, uh, the lowest average price within uh, the sound of my voice anyway, most of it. Uh, Stanislaus County, the lowest at 629. Tuolumne's at 632. San Joaquin, 636. Merced, 640. Mariposa, 652. Contra Costa County, 652 as well. Santa Clara is at 654. Alameda at 656. And Calaveras at 657. And then we always like to look at Mono County because it, it traditionally has been the highest. And by golly, $7.23. $7.23 in Mono County. So how do you feel about the hearings when you uh, pull up to the uh, gas pump and pump your gas? Is Are they really addressing the things that matter at the moment? By the way, Stockton apparently... Until June 18, from what I hear, you can ride the bus for free. Uh Uh-huh. The San Joaquin Regional Transit District is holding a dump the pump day. (laughs) I love it. Dump the pump day until June 18. And uh, from what I understand, anyone can ride the bus in, uh, in Stockton with the San Joaquin Regional Transit uh, Transit District for free. So let me ask you, <clears throat> whether you're in Stockton or wherever you are, let's say if you're not in the Stockton area, not in San Joaquin County, let us say, well, whether you're here in Stanislaus or Tuolumne, Alameda, Santa Clara, wherever it is. Let's say, and, and you've got to be, are you, is anyone not feeling the pain at the pump? So in your county or your city, if they decided to give you a ride the bus for free week, would you ride the bus to work? Well, here's <laughs> uh, the, it would take me a long time with a couple of transfers to get from where I am to the offices of Advancing Vibrant Communities in downtown Modesto. Uh, I would spend most of the time probably on the bus, a lot of time on the bus anyway, because our our regional transit systems out here are not as well-developed as they are, say, in, in Europe. Although I, I love, I used to love riding the subways in New York City. I've, I've been to many conferences there, and I love to get on the subway. I would no more ride a New York subway today than fly over the moon. Are you kidding me? I watched the television news. No way. No way. Now, under Mayor Giuliani, I wouldn't mind doing it, but not under uh, the current administration there. Same with Boston. I have uh, traveled a lot around the greater Boston area on their uh, wonderful trains and and their regional transit systems. Europe. I love riding transit in Europe, the trains. Mind the gap (laughs) in London. We had friends uh, that uh, live in London 
he was a magistrate. He uh, passed away a couple of years ago. His wife's still living. We had the opportunity to visit and stay with him uh, over the years. And uh, just love riding the, the transit systems in, uh, in London. But here, not, not so well developed. Uh, and uh, I don't know that I'd want to even try riding the bus to get anywhere especially if you're in somewhat of a rural-ish area, how are you going to get where you want to go on time? How are you going to make a doctor's appointment on time? So I don't know, those of you up in San Joaquin County in the Stockton area, are you going to going to take advantage of this? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's talk a little bit coming up about uh, homeless issues and Modesto has a plan. They've also done a recent count there. We'll talk about those details coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful Monday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we take a look at the issues that directly affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Our commitment to you is to be live and local so that we can discuss these issues uh, in a relevant way, in a realistic way in a respectful way, in uh, a rational way as well. And we all always thank you for participating in that process. And uh, the key to that is our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. In uh, just a few moments, we'll uh, get to a, a story I saw in the B today about uh, Modesto and plans for a safe parking program for the uh, unhoused. I think that's equivalent to homeless. We'll talk about that in a moment. Plus, uh, some interesting things uh, as a result of a homeless count that was uh, taken in Stanislaus County. We'll, we'll get to that. And interesting, as they did that survey, uh, how uh, or the way people responded uh, who are homeless about why they became homeless. Anyway, we'll get to that in, in a moment. I, I wanted to... Uh, Revisit this issue of gas. Uh, he's talking about pulling up to the pump. Beginning in July, not too far from now, the state tax on gas goes up. We already have the highest gas tax in the nation, 51 point cents per gallon. And as you know, every uh, July it's scheduled to go up again. Uh, approximately three cents, like 2.8. Anyway, so beginning uh, the first uh, week of July, our prices at the gas pump are going to increase from the tax from 51.1 cents per gallon to 53.9 cents per gallon as a result of the increase. And remember, our legislature had a had an opportunity back in May to put a stop to this. Even Governor Newsom said, let's, uh, how about if we freeze this for a while? Nope, California legislature did not want to do that. 
They want us to continue to pay the highest gas tax in the nation so that they can continue to spend the money that they wrest away from us through confiscatory taxation. So, uh, so there we go. All right. So talking about, uh, gas and, and how it's hurting at the pump, what's it doing to small business? What's it doing about small business? Well, here's a, a chef down in San Diego, and I think he probably represents a, a lot of folks. High gas prices, inflation, it makes it tough on people that have to use cars or, or vehicles, especially food trucks. So Chef Hector Pliego of Z's Buddies Sushi in San Diego says that his fuel expenses have more than doubled. Before we spent for four days, I will say $120 in gas. That includes the generator and the gas for the truck. For now, we're spending more than $200 every four days. Spending uh, more than $200 every four days. Good night. Do, do the legislators understand, do, do our political leaders understand the pain this is calling this is causing businesses, especially small businesses. Well, Chief Pliego says he spends more than two thousand dollars a month for gas. And then he says his food costs make up about thirty-five to forty-two percent of his operating budget, compared to about twenty percent before the pandemic. So post pandemic, that's an increase of uh, fifteen to twenty-two percent. He, uh, he says the cost of food items like chicken. By the way, I just barbecued some chicken the other day. Have, have you noticed prices of chicken going up? Before we pay $1 with 28 cents for a pound of chicken, chicken breast, and restaurant depot. And now it's $5 for a pound. Uh, so I, uh, you know, the, the, the pain, the pain is tangible. The pain is being felt. And yet, it seems like our public leaders are tone deaf to it all. Just don't, uh, just don't understand it. And then uh, the uh, U.S. Senate—they're—they're they're busy passing some gun legislation, or, or trying to anyway. And so, a group uh, that includes ten Republicans. Uh, they have the 60-vote supermajority needed to uh, draft and, and pass this bill. And here's, um, here's what the bill does. It, and and th- this, I think, is something that is, um, what do I want to say? It, it's superficial. It's, uh, I think, for the 10 Republicans that are voting for it, it's a way to say, yeah, we tried to do something, and now let's move the focus to somewhere else. I, I just don't know that it's going to make a whole lot of difference. So let me just go over the, and we can, we can detail it later, because later, I do want to get to this uh, homeless issue in, in Modesto. So it, uh, it includes support for red flag laws. You know, that's, and and I, I don't know. I think there are some dangerous aspects of red flag laws. I'm not against them, but I think they need to be more carefully crafted. 
enhanced review for those uh, who are buying guns if they're under 21, uh, closing the so-called boyfriend loophole uh, so domestic abusers cannot be allowed to have a gun. Do you see some possible abuse there? I do. A, a jilted lover saying, oh, he beat me up or she beat me up. Do you know that? Do, do you know there are men that are beat up by their uh, their women? Yeah, that's right. So that's very sexist to call it a boyfriend. It should be a person friend loophole. All right. Uh, penalties, I see some of you cringing. All right. Penalties for straw purchases and uh, light license evaders. Straw purchases, by the way, are... Uh, buying a gun for someone else who's not legally uh, allowed to own one. Uh, and then expanding mental health and, and school safety funding. So we'll, we'll go over some of those details uh, later. Uh, Mark from Modesto wants to weigh in on that particular subject. Hi, Mark. Uh, what's on your mind today? Hi. Uh, I was just curious if, if the Democrats had uh, any intelligence uh since uh, they can't win with uh, guns, why don't they go after ammo? Well, I think like they... Banning I, ammo in, instead of guns. Yeah, I think they do. Uh, I think they have. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Are, do, you, do you buy much ammo? Do you, do you shoot at all? No, my... Uh, well, my dad was a hardcore uh, NRA member and duck hunter and stuff, but I'm not going there right now. I just... I just trying to see where the the attack is. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Like, so humans humans kill people, guns kill people, but in reality, ammo usually kills people. A- ammo usually kills people. Yeah. That's probably uh, what is that kills what... people, not the gun, not the. So you you think it's the ammo that actually kills people? Is is that right? pretty sure it's the it's the bullets okay well let me address that that first uh mark i have a lot of ammo at my house right i have never seen a round jump out of the box and try to kill me it's an inanimate object that's cool (laughs) I'm being somewhat facetious. Uh, and, and so I guess my, my response, Mark, is I, I understand what you're saying. Without ammo, uh, a person using a gun will find it hard to kill someone with a gun unless they beat them upside the head with it. Uh, it would be hard to shoot and I mean, kill. Even, a, even if you're hunting for, a, let's say, a duck, not, yeah. a gun's going to be useless without uh, ammo. Well, uh, uh, yeah, unless you throw it at the duck and yell duck, I suppose. But uh, here's, here's an, and let me wind this up while, while you're on the phone here and give you a chance to respond to it, Mark. Um, it, it's like a carpenter with a hammer and a nail. Right. If the carpenter goes and he's got two pieces of wood that need to be yield, uh, nailed together, if the carpenter, let's just say he's framing a house, if the carpenter puts the hammer and the nail down and looks at them, will the hammer and the nail do anything in and of themselves? 
Uh, I think so. I think the Carpenters probably what? doing the right job. So you you think the hammer and the nail would do something by themselves? Uh, it takes the carp. The skill of the carpenter. Okay, all right. There's where I'm coming. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent thought, Mark. Here's my point. It requires the intent of a human in order for a tool to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. Let's take artificial intelligence out of it for a minute, Mark. Let's not talk computers. Let's just talk pure, pure tools. Uh, and and, and a, a gun is a tool. The ammunition that goes into the gun is part of the tool. The tool does not work without the intent and the action of the human. Okay, so th- this is why I think we, and, and I'm not trying to make a pun here, but, but we get off target when we say gun violence. It is human violence. Uh, because humans also stab each other. Uh, they run over each other with cars. We, we've seen that recently on television. Um, they, uh, they murder each other with their hands. Uh, they use knives again. Sometimes it's ropes. Uh, the, there are a variety of different tools. Uh, back in the Old Testament days, uh, stoning was, was a way of, of killing people. But the stones didn't jump up and kill people. It, it took the intent of, of a human. And so that, Mark, is why I like to, and I appreciate what, what you're saying, and I get what you're saying, but I, I, my, my bent here is always to recognize that without human intent, that tool is absolutely useless. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling in. Uh, I appreciate you working through that with me. That, that's what this is all about, uh, to be able to bring our different perspectives together. So, Mark, thank you. Thanks for calling. We'll be back with uh, more of your calls, and I'll also be talking about uh, this plan in Modesto to deal with the homeless. All that coming up in three minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this wonderful Monday afternoon in California's Central Valley here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mark called a couple of minutes ago regarding uh, gun issues, and I was uh, talking very briefly about the legislation the Senate Looks like it will be passing. We talked about some of the elements there. Uh, a couple things that are not included, and that, that's kind of interesting as well. Uh, there's no assault weapons ban. There is uh, no increased age requirement or decreased age requirement. Um, well, it would be increased age requirement from uh, 18 to um to 21 there's uh yeah there, there there's no no provision for that what else i'm looking at here very carefully. oh uh and apparently uh there's no expansion at the moment of background checks so i'm i'm wondering what this really will accomplish and that, that leads me to think is this merely a showpiece to show that well we're trying to do something 
Uh, and I, I'm not a big fan of passing legislation just to do something. Either we make it count or, or, or we don't. And you may be wondering, who are, who are the 10 Republicans that are lining up in favor of this? Uh, Senator John Cornyn in Texas, Senator Tom Tillis from North Carolina, Senator Roy Blunt from uh, Missouri, uh, Senator Rob Portman from Ohio, Richard Burr from North Carolina, Mitt Romney from Utah, Bill Cassidy from uh, Louisiana, Susan Collins from Maine, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, and Pat Toomey from uh, Pennsylvania. So that'll be interesting to follow that. Again, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not real sure it's going to have a huge impact one way or the other. Uh, and, uh, you know, was, and that was a good discussion with Mark. I, I appreciate caller Mark bringing up what he did because I, I believe it's very important to us to use the words and phrases that most accurately describe the, the situation. And you see, to me, as I expressed to Mark, to me, gun violence is a, a misnomer, and I suspect by those who uh, use it and popularize it that it's done on purpose because it's shifting the focus on the gun. And if we shift the focus on the gun being responsible for killing innocent people, then it makes a lot more sense to outlaw the gun. However, if we truthfully say the gun is simply a tool and the gun doesn't kill anybody unless the human makes the decision with intent and the skill and the knowledge of the tool. And you do have to have some knowledge of the tool normally in order to kill someone with a gun. You have to have some knowledge of how it functions, just like you would have to have knowledge of how a nail works and how a hammer works and how it responds, how wood responds or the type of wood that you're that you're using. And so a tool doesn't do anything on its own without the intent and skill of a human behind it. And so I I think it's a it's a misnomer, so to speak, intentionally, to say gun violence. And that's why you'll not hear that from me unless I'm quoting someone else. It's human violence. We have an act of human violence because humans use all sorts of things to be violent with. They use knives, use rocks and bottles. Uh, They used fireworks during some of the riots of the summer of 2020. You remember that? They used fire. They used fire to, to bu- burn down uh, buildings. Certainly they use guns. but And some were using, uh, as, as we have seen in, in some riots, some people use barricades even. They pick up barricades and throw them at people. So there are all types of things that can be used as weapons, but those an inanimate object, an inanimate object, does not harm anyone unless there is intent behind it. Now you say, well, what about a stove? A stove is inanimate. All right, I I got it. All right, so if the gas is on on the stove or you have an electric stove and it's on and you accidentally put your hand on it, well, yeah, I understand. But it wasn't the intent of the stove to burn your hand. Uh, that uh, that was a mistake on on your part. So 
No more gun violence in my vocabulary. It's human violence using a gun with the intent to harm others. All right, we'll get to that homeless issue coming up in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV back in five minutes. The show you love with even more local local news news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back. Mike Douglas. did it again. I keep stepping on that poor woman. I apologize for that. Welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A good Monday to you. Thank you for joining us as we head into our second hour here. Uh, just uh, got a message from uh, listener Ann, and I think this is good. It's a, kind of a follow-up to a call we received from uh, Mark a little bit ago. We were talking about the gun legislation pending in the U.S. Senate. Uh, how I'm not sure it's really going to accomplish anything. I think it's basically a showpiece to say, well, yeah, we tried to do something on, on both sides of the fence, which is okay. I'm I'm all for trying to find ways to stand in the way of people killing each other, but uh, I'm not I'm not sure this is going to do the trick, so to speak. But Anne. Uh, messaged in that she was discussing one of the recent shootings with someone and uh, the person she was talking to said how important relationships were that we need to be in relationship we could initiate relationships at some level with those who uh, need connection or uh, who are uh, not not connected with others you think about uh, so many of uh, the profiles of the murderous shooters that we've seen, and they, many of them seem to be disconnected, don't they? And so I, I think, and, and, and oftentimes we hear friends or, or family say, well, you know, we, we saw this sign or we saw that sign, and I'm not a therapist, um, an experienced pastor, yes, but I'm not a therapist. However, I would say that my, my thought is that oftentimes for many of these people who, who intentionally do violence to others, I think many of them, from what I've learned and from uh, what I've heard in, in mentoring people, is that when you grow up with or have a lifetime of relationships that are either not there, a lack of relationships, or the relationships you're in are, are abusive or dysfunctional, uh, that, all, that all contributes to a skewed view of life itself and a skewed and altered, a filtered view of other people. And I, I, I think there's something to this, and I think it begins in the family unit. Hollywood has just made so much fun of families over the years, made fun of fathers. Here we have Father's Day coming up. And uh, I think ministering to the heart and mind and soul of people 
in our spheres of influence is really important. Now, some of them are toxic. I understand that. And when there is a toxic relationship, uh, there's no need to become codependent. But early on, I, I think, you know, when relationships are, are natural, where there's some kind of influence, when uh, you can have a relationship at some level so that you have some influence over someone, that's a good thing. But it does take relation. And I think in, in, our, in our society today, we've become very unrelational. And part of that is, uh, is technology, uh, one of our colleague, uh, callers, uh, frequent callers, Debbie, I think, makes reference to that a lot. That uh, so much of our culture has its head buried in, in their smartphones and uh, their Twitter accounts and Instagrams and TikToks, and there's probably ones that I, I'm not even aware of. You know, by the way, I'm not on. I don't do Instagram or TikTok. I don't do most of it. By the way, just a reminder, if you want to get a hold of me, and the first, the best way is to call on the show if you have a comment about the topic that we're presently talking about. The next best way, if you have a comment or want to reach me, is email. It's mikeon1360 at gmail.com. And because I work seven days a week, 12 to 16 hours a day, oftentimes I, I'm probably not going to give you a a war and peace answer, but I'll at least acknowledge and thank you for uh, for emailing. So anyway, that's the best way to uh, get a hold of me. And I, if if you have comments about this, so anyway, I think it is so. I think it is so important for us to uh, develop relationships that God puts in front of us, and uh, that comes back to what your worldview is, and and sanctity for life, and concern for life. And again, I have. Uh, I have experienced some toxic relationships. I had a stalker a couple of years back, a very scary dude. Uh, they're not going to have a relationship with that guy, <laughs> you know. But I, I think in, in terms especially of uh, younger children and the way that we are corrupting and twisting their minds at an early age with this uh, a gender-bending child abuse well, that's what it is, child abuse in my mind. Things that little children not not to even be thinking of. It's adults putting those thoughts in their minds for a specific purpose to groom them to be what the adults want them to be. And I think that starts early in many ways. Uh, so anyway, and good good call on that And in terms of your message. I do believe uh, in general... Um, a more aggressive attitude on on the part of many of us to uh, foster relationships with people at, at some level that's reasonable and and to allow the the best of us to flow into the best of others. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a good thing. All right, moving on. Uh, been waiting to uh, to get to this, and I liked your your thought on this as well. I think uh, this. This came down the pike in terms of a proposal many, many months ago. But there's a pilot project in Modesto. Saw this in the Modesto Bee today. Uh, I think it was in the Bee. That um, will give people who experience homelessness a place to stay. Now, that that lead line there is a little bit, um, well, it's 
it, it, it's not really realistic. It's not what the story is about. Modesto City officials is a little deceptive. Uh, not intentionally, I don't think, but it's, it's deceptive. Modesto City officials apparently are looking into a project that would allow safe parking at 9th and B Streets. B is in Baker. Uh, that's uh, uh, down, down below downtown uh, Modesto. Apparently, uh, they say up to 25 cars can park and uh, will be operated for 12 hours a day for half a year. Uh, and that this, so this, this is interesting. So the, I guess you can park there for 12 hours a day for half a year. Officials say it gives the unhoused a peace of mind since they unhoused. Is that homeless? I think that's homeless. Uh, give them a peace of mind since they don't have to worry about their car getting impounded. Well, I suppose that depends on when the 12 hours are. I don't see that here. Is that 12 hours at nighttime or 12 hours during the day? And then apparently you have to move it. It's not 24 hours uh, from what I see. What do you think about that? Uh, if you think about, and, and we'll get to the numbers here in, in a moment, I, I, I think it's a, it's a nice thought. I'm thinking more of the pragmatic, the pragmatic aspects of this. W- will that really help folks? Maybe it will. What do you think? My understanding uh, is you, you could have, uh, you can park and uh, in a safe place for 12 hours a day for up to six months. Okay, well, I think, again, where the 12 hours occur is going to be the big issue. Is that during the daytime? Is it during the nighttime? And so, obviously, you're going to have to move the car or the vehicle during part of the 24-hour period, during half the 20-hour period. So what do you think? Is that a, is that a viable solution? I, and maybe I'm not seeing what, what's totally in here. I'm not criticizing Modesto City officials here. I'm, I'm just questioning what does that really mean and what is, it really, what is the real benefit other than a couple of hours of safety for the homeless person with their vehicle? What do you think? 209-551-3483, our number. And we'll also talk about a homeless count in the Stanislaus County area. And what I find fascinating about that count, and this was from the Modesto Bee, uh, are uh, during the survey they just had of over 1,500 people, the reasons they gave for being in the predicament they're in of being homeless. I find that very interesting. I'll share those uh, stats with you in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking about this proposal in Modesto for a pilot program to give homeless folks a uh, a place to park their vehicles, and I'm I remember there was uh, some article there were some articles about that oh, back in January, but I just found a recent one from well, it was from yesterday I believe uh, from ABC News Ten 
up in Sacramento. Uh, they're saying the same thing. Uh, they're exploring a potential safe parking project. They say at 9th and B, as in Baker Streets. Uh, it would accommodate up to 25 cars run for 12 hours a day for six months. Uh, they're reporting that uh, people could live in their cars, have a place to stay overnight without worry of their vehicle being impounded and without worry of where they can stay for a night. Okay, so apparently the 12 hours are in the evening. They quote uh, Chris Rickey, uh, as you know, is one of the Modesto City Councilmen, uh, council members. Uh, Chris Rickey said, is quoted as saying, what we're trying to do is react to what's happening as quickly as we can while taking into account all the different factors that put someone in this situation. Uh, Councilman Ricky says it's a pilot program, so we expect to learn a lot from it before we put into a permanent program. But our goal is to start to attack the problem in real time. So apparently the site there, again, accommodating 25 vehicles, it appears they could park there uh, overnight for 12 hours. The site would include security, water, restrooms, and dumpsters, along with services to help people find permanent housing. I like that aspect of it. And it says the Salvation would be operating the site, and they do a good job. I'm all all, all for that. Uh, Chris Rickey quoted again, the idea is that we're going to do it in conjunction with our Salvation Homeless Shelter in a parking lot that's connected to that property, and that's going to enable us to have a lot of cost savings and efficiencies, especially with the wraparound services that already exist in the shelter. Okay, so it's going to be uh, uh, the parking lot apparently co-located with the uh, Salvation Army uh, shelter there. So what do you think? Uh, good thing? Will it serve the needs of enough people? Apparently uh, Apparently, it looks like it's uh, it's going to pass the uh, committee process and at least become a a trial program, and uh, it looks like uh, they're they're going to have it in effect for about six months to study it. What do you think? Good idea? Something that you'd like to see in your area? Two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Homeless count. Stanislaus County has uh, tallied about uh, 1,857 men, women, and children uh, recently in the homeless population. And they're saying that's about 1,000 fewer than last year. But they're also saying, and this is according to a Modesto B article today, that doesn't mean it, homelessness is on the decline. Officials point to several reasons, they say, for the drop, including postponing the count because of the pandemic, having fewer volunteers than in previous counts, law enforcement sweeps of encampments, and a very cold morning of the count, which meant some of the homeless people had spent the night sheltered with friends or, uh, or family. Apparently, here's one of the problems. Have you, have you participated in one of, these, one of these counts? Very interesting. Apparently, about 300 volunteers signed up this year, but only 197 took part. That, according to Doug Holcomb, who is the Housing and Homeless Service Manager for the county's Community Services Agency. They like to have about uh, 250 volunteers, 
And in past uh, counts, they've had more than 300. By the way, when you commit to do something, that I, I find that a, a matter of a lack of integrity. If you sign up to do something, you show up, especially something this critical. I mean, there's a big difference between 197 and the 300 that signed up. That, that's unconscionable. If you're going to commit to do that, that's an integrity issue. That's an integrity issue. Now, there's uh, some interesting uh, stats here about the homeless folks that were interviewed and why they're saying they're homeless. Before we talk about that, we'll do that right after the bottom of the hour. Uh, let's go very quickly to uh, Gail on the phone. Gail from Modesto, uh, what are your thoughts about this? Hello. I'm afraid this is all an integrity issue. And um, I would like to recommend to anyone who's really interested in the issue to get a hold of a copy of a book called Bringing in the Sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. And for those of us who uh, followed um, Mike Winter in Principal Studies, um, I think that probably is on the, that list of books to read. But I, I'm just amazed that we continue to go through this uh, roundabout, this hoop, this endless hoop. And it is time for the government to understand that it is not their job to solve everyone's personal issue. It is time for the American citizens to wake up, help those who you can around you, love thy neighbor as thyself, and those who want to live on the streets and they want to provide for themselves. I mean, they can live on the grid, off the grid, whatever they want. We need to give them that liberty, but we also need to understand that we will never solve all of these problems. Jesus said they will be with us always. Yeah, that uh, Gail, I'm, I'm going to uh, push. Uh, I'm going to push back church, a little. Let, let, let me comment. That's the responsibility here. <laughs> I believe that there are churches who, in the past, I mean. I've been a member of several, and uh, I go back to First Baptist Church in the early 70s. And I can tell you, we always have had these problems. But when the church was stepping up and helping out and checking out real needs versus um, felt needs, there was, there was just a better tenure to this, uh, this city. Gail, I, I want you to hang on. Because uh, you, you brought okay. up a point I want to talk about from a pastor's perspective. Uh, so don't go away. We're sure. going to be back in five minutes, okay? Sure. Uh, hang with me. I'll be back with you in five minutes, Gail, because I think this is really important to uh, respond to. All right, Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking with Gail. We will continue the conversation in five minutes. Again, on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
Here's more with the voice of the Valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about uh, the government attempting to uh, solve in some ways the homeless issue. We've been looking at a proposal uh, by the city of Modesto to uh, um, have the uh, Salvation Army operate a uh, an area next to one of their shelters in Modesto where up to 25 vehicles can be parked overnight uh, so that the homeless who uh, have those vehicles can have a safe place for uh, 12 hours overnight, uh, access to bathrooms, access to uh, resources, hopefully, to get them um, out of out of their homeless situation. Uh, so, uh, in talking about that, and I'll bring Gail. Uh, Gail, I'll bring you back here in just a, a second. Gail is patiently holding here, and I'll bring her back so that we get her reaction. Uh, she mentioned something, though. I I want to talk about very briefly. I'm not going to belabor this, but it's one of those one of those uh, uh, text proofing issues. Um, where people often throw out a verse and make it apply to something that the verse wasn't intended to imply uh, at all, and I'm not saying you did that, Gail, but it's one of those uh, it's one of those quotes that is often misinterpreted and misused. So I just want to clarify it uh, before we continue our conversation. And again, I'm I'm not pushing back on you, Gail. I'm I'm just there's an issue here I want to talk about because so often this quote is uh, misused and misinterpreted. Uh, and the quote is, "The poor you will always have with you," from the mouth of, of Jesus Christ. But you have to look at the context. We have to look at the well. We always need to look at the context uh, when when we look at, at quotes from Scripture. Where was Jesus at the time? He was in Bethany at the home of uh, someone named Simon the leper. And a woman came to him with a very expensive alabaster jar of, of the highly, highly expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' head uh, at uh, the table they were reclining at. Now, here's the point. Jesus' disciples saw that, and they got ticked off. They said, what, what are you doing? Why are you wasting that? That, that perfume, we could have sold that at a high price, and we could have given the money to the poor. And that's why Jesus, it wasn't about the poor here, it's about him. He said, why are you bothering this woman? Why are you criticizing her for, for putting this, this expensive perfume on me? She's done a beautiful deed to me. The poor you will always have with you, comma, but you will not always have me. By pouring this perfume on me, she has prepared my body for burial. So the intent of that particular scripture is not about, we're always going to have the poor, so uh, some people use that to say, so, you know, we don't have to worry about it as much. No, no, it was not about the poor here. It was about Jesus. Now, in Scripture, what is about the poor, if you look back in, in Deuteronomy 15, that it, 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 is very, uh, it is very, very uh, specific about making sure that you use the resources that you have to give uh, to people 
that don't have as much. And and so the you really have to go back to uh, this, this this chapter in in, in Deuteronomy fifteen uh, to understand where that original thought came from. And it's talking about if if there's poor amongst you in the land, uh, then you're not to harden your heart against them or shut them out. Instead, you are to open your hand and freely loan them whatever they need. And uh, this had to do with uh, the seventh year, and I'm not going to go any further than that, other than to say we need to be careful how we use those particular scriptures and just recognize when when someone, I'm not picking on Gail here, I'm just saying I've heard it so many times, the poor you always have with you, understand that if they're quoting Jesus there, it wasn't about the poor, it wasn't about the homeless, it was about the fact don't criticize this woman for for spending this money on me because I am not going to be with you much longer. Do not criticize because she understands that I have to die and that I will be leaving. All right. So given that, and let me come back and bring Gail back on here, I think one of the problems, Gail, is that then there is the responsibility of the church in general to Are step there, up Mike? to step up to the plate, right? To step up yes, to the plate and take care of business. Yes. Are, do you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yes. Are you there? Thank you for doing that. I understand that perfectly. And I'm glad that you explained that so that others could hear. And my point was the principle is the same. The poor will always be with us. And for those who are trying to make a living and are paying taxes to this government, for their taxes to constantly be pushed to, and used for things that are not the job of government. The principle is exactly the same. The poor will always be with us. And no one feels, uh, I mean, I'm afraid the average person out there has been made to feel so responsible for the plight of the homeless, if you will, or the drug addict, or whatever, and don't get me wrong, I spent my entire morning, I just got in the shower and and washed my hair before I called, and that's because I spent the entire morning with a young man who lives in his car, who I am reaching out to with the gospel, but my point being, though that is a human answer, that is our responsibility, I believe, as a believer, all the more on me, it is not the job of government to solve those things and to take the money that are put in to maintain our roads and maintain the things that are in common use. I mean, my first thought immediately was, what? We have streets everywhere. We're going we're gonna to bring them all together again. We have learned nothing over the last 25 years. There are streets, and this young man finds a spot. He finds what he thinks is a safe spot, and he sleeps in his car all night somewhere. He pays. He has to pay to drive that car, and um, he shouldn't, but he does. He is paying to keep and maintain that car on the road and pays a DMV. I think as long as they're in a good, safe but they should be able to park anywhere they want. Now, if they create a crime, 
sin, that needs to be dealt with separately. But there's no crime in pulling your car over and sleeping somewhere for eight hours. Well, yes and no, because there are areas in the city where you can't leave your car. I think that that's what they're talking about there, Gail, is there are circumstances they're where if you parking, if you leave like leaving their car? If if you if you parking and leaving if you park your car, is, is, did I misunderstand? Well, let let, let, let me get a word okay. in here, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm if, trying to if, understand. Okay, that's good. That's that's what we're doing here. We're 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 working through it. There are places in every city where you cannot park overnight. Uh, there there are places where that you can. There are places where you can, though, and what I'm saying is there are more places where you can. And where it isn't an issue. Well, I, again, my point is what they're saying is many of the homeless are complaining that their cars get sighted uh, or towed away. Now, many if it's a tow away, it's usually it's either on private property, which is a whole other issue, or if it's wow. been there for more than, than 72 hours. So, uh, and, and I want to come back and ask you about this, get your perspective perspective on it very quickly and then then we need to move on but i feel as a spiritual leader within the body of christ and in the city that wherever we go in america some of the greatest uh outreaches and some of the the most effective ways of dealing with homelessness with dealing with a lot of human issues is when the church steps up to the plate and and puts its money behind it rather than defaulting to government. See, we, we've become programmed, I think, in our culture to say, well, that's government's issue. And so we can spend our money on new carpets or new lighting or a new sound system. But no, I, I think the priority, and this is why I... I founded Advancing Vibrant Communities 20-some-odd years ago was because I, I wanted a method where there was relatively low overhead and where the focus could be on connecting people of faith with dealing with the human condition and dealing with it in a very productive way and not and taking that onus, that burden, off of government, where it, it, it at least in our American system, where it... It really doesn't uh, belong. Uh, Gail, i got to run, but let me give you the last word real quick if you want to sum up. Okay, well, I agree with all those things. And again, my understanding when I first heard you speaking was that they needed a place to park their car and sleep all night. And again, I say there are plenty of places for that to happen without the government getting involved at all, unless these people commit a crime. And um, other than that, I wish they'd keep their noses to their self because every method they have tried has failed. You're talking about government here. Yes. Yes. yes okay. Sir. All right. Not just want to clarify. That's why I suggested bringing in the sheets. Oh, People okay. will understand it is not the job of government to help the poor. Well, I, I agree. Government doesn't do a very good job with it because it's not the job of government. I'll agree with you on that. Gail, 
Thanks for a, a very productive discussion. I love that. All right, more coming up on the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes. What about you? Your reaction to that conversation, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show, we're back in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And we're back with you here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And we've been talking uh, good discussions today. Iron sharpening iron. Learning from each other. I love it. And uh, thank you so much for uh, your your good thinking and willingness to work through these things. Our number here, 209-551-3483. A good conversation with Gail a few moments ago. And, And let me just tag on to that. My overall perspective, I spent 25 years in government. I spent uh, the last 25 years in vocational ministry. And I can, with some credibility, I think, then say, both with experience and uh, with knowledge, to say that government does some things very well. Ministering to the human need is not something that government does well. And I think it's because it really is outside of what government should be doing. Flip side of that, though, is if we say, and I say this as a pastor, if we say, all right, it is then the church that needs to step up to the plate and deal with these issues then the church needs to step up to the plate and actively deal with the issues. So we we can't criticize government on one hand within the church and not actively participate in the solutions on the other hand. You you see what I'm saying? What I'm what I'm attempting to get across here? Uh, the it, it's <laughs> if we're going to say, well, all right, government, we don't think you're doing a good job of it, and we don't think it's your job. Okay, then we need as the church to step up the plate and take care of business. And we're talking about the Salvation Army, and uh, our experience with the Salvation Army is they do a good job of that all the time. Is it perfect? No. There's no solution that's perfect, but I'm thinking of the Salvation Army and the shelter they run. I'm thinking of the Modesto Gospel Mission. I'm thinking of many ministries in town that advancing vibrant communities. We have a small part of that pie in terms of especially serving people coming out of homelessness that need items. Uh, they're finally able to get into a rental, but it takes all they have, all the resources they have to get into that rental, so they need pots, you know, t- things that you and I often take for granted. Pots and pans and chairs and kitchen tables and beds and that sort of thing. And so, you know, that that's where uh, advancing vibrant communities in, in my realm here uh, has a piece of that pie. And uh, it's when the community as a whole agrees that we'll we'll all take our strengths and apply it as a solution to the issue that things start to hum, that things start to hum. 
And so it's, it, it's, uh, it, but the, getting back to my point, there's a responsibility for the people of the church to step up to the plate and actively become involved. If in fact, we're going to say, well, that's not government job, government's job. Well, okay. Whose job is it? If your worldview is of a Judeo-Christian worldview, it's our job. If it's not, then you may have a different opinion on that. But Zony, my my point is, if we're going to say government, we don't think you're doing a really good job with that. Well, fine, then we need to do it. <laughs> uh, we we can't just point fingers and say the other people aren't doing the job that we think they ought to do. We need to step up to the plate and do it ourselves. Uh, so. Uh, just a, a quick uh, note here. I wanted to get to this. Uh, the the recent uh, survey that was done of the homeless in Stanislaus County, uh, let's see, the 1,517 people provided a response. The top reasons for becoming homeless were 21% saying they weren't able to pay the rent, 18% being asked to leave, I would assume being asked to leave their, their rental property. Losing their job, 16%. Alcohol or substance abuse, 16%. Illness, 15%. Abuse or violence in the home, 14%. You notice how how equivalent those are? 21%, 18%, 16%, 16%, 15%, 14%. And then there's very uh, interesting within Stanislaus County, and again, we don't have stats here for other counties. It may differ. But there's a, a last note here, and, and again, I'm looking at a uh, article here from the B, Modesto B. 77% of the people counted said they first became homeless in Stanislaus County, a finding that's consistent with previous years. So they remain homeless in this area. Hey, thanks so much for the discussions today. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow here at 3 to 5 p.m. on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a wonderful evening.